Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out, please, and go to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, as today we are in the next to last sermon in the series, and everybody says there is a God. Amen. We have been in this book for quite a while, but uh, this is the next to last one, and, and uh, I'm excited about that. As a matter of fact, one uh, Sunday, Sunday small group uh, is so excited about this that they, um, uh, that they got me a gift. I will show it to you next week because it ties in perfectly to what Ecclesiastes is all about, life under the sun. So you want to be here next week just to see the gift, okay? I'm just telling you, you just need to see that. But anyways, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we're going to get right into it this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to read uh, this entire chapter. And so um, this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's Word, uh, pull out your copy of God's Word, follow along on the screen behind me, but let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And it reads in verse number 1, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you'll find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or towards the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. There's a reason Solomon is the wisest man to ever live. Amen? Verse 4. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind, and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. The light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man or young person. Rejoice during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Now, Solomon is not telling you to go and sin. That's not what he's telling you. He's just saying, enjoy life while you're still young. And all the old people said, that's right. <laughs> Look what he says at the end of verse 9. Yet remember this, that God will bring you into judgment for all the things that you do. So, remove grief. Remove anger from your heart. Put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. You may have a seat. Well, as I was preparing for today's uh, sermon on Ecclesiastes 11, I couldn't help but think of a a couple of stories. One is a story and another one is something that's happened in my own life. But but the story that comes to my mind when I read Ecclesiastes chapter 11 is about a it's about a, a pretty good golfer. He's about an 80-year-old man who's a really good golfer. He only had a problem, though. He just couldn't see too well. 
And so every time he played, he would have somebody come along and play with him. He'd have a group of guys that he'd play with because every time he hit the ball, uh, the partners would see where the ball went and they would tell him uh, where it went. Well, this one day, it was a beautiful day and he was ready to go play, but none of his buddies showed up to go play golf. He waited and he waited and he waited in the uh, clubhouse and nobody showed up and he's getting frustrated, extremely frustrated, and they didn't show up. And finally, somebody else comes up to this 80-year-old man and said, what's going on? What's, what's happened? And this 80-year-old guy said, let me tell you what, my friends, have stu- they just stood me up. I want to play golf, but I need somebody to play with me because I can't see very well. I need somebody to be a spotter and, uh, so that I can go play. And uh, this guy who came to talk to him was older than the 80-year-old man, said, oh, that's not a problem. I can be your spotter. He said, I have 20-20 vision. I can, I, can, I can see like a hawk. You just, you just hit the ball, and I will watch it fly. The 80-year-old man's like, perfect, let's go play. So they go to the first hole. The 80-year-old guy hits this great drive, and he looks to his father and said, where did it go? Where, where did it go? And his friend said, I saw it all the way until it stopped rolling. The 80-year-old man said, oh, that's great. Well, where, where did it go? Tell me where did it go? And that older man paused for a moment and said, I don't know. I forgot. That's pretty good, isn't it? I think that's pretty good. Sometimes our best laid out plans don't work, do they? Sometimes just crazy things happen. Um, As a pastor, one of the things that that I'm honored to participate in is is weddings. I get to participate in a lot of weddings and and the brides and and the moms, they plan this thing like it's a battle plan. Do you know what I'm talking about? They know every step, and there are checklist after checklist after checklist. And I'm going, man, I, I, this is going to be a great moment. And, and, and all of these things are great, but the wedding's always good until the bride and the bride's mother want to include a flower girl or a ring bearer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because whenever you put in a ring bearer, those little kids or a flower girl, you put it into a wedding ceremony, that's like throwing a grenade into their plans. I mean, it's just, you just know something's going to happen. True story. Um, I was doing a wedding, an outdoor wedding, and I'm just standing there uh, uh, doing what preachers do during the wedding. Well, one of the ring bearers, apparently he got bored. He, started, he decides to walk around. So he walks around the wedding party, Next thing I know, he sticks his head between my legs. So I said, all right, let's just go back. Let's just go back. Uh, crazy, unpredictable. Um, I, I know, again, true story, another one. I was doing another outdoor wedding. Point of these two stories is don't do an outdoor wedding. That's the point of the stories. Uh, did a wedding outdoor, and um, they had two ring bearers. One is tough enough, two chaos. And so, again, doing the wedding, these two ring bearers, again, got bored. There's another theme. They got bored, and both of them, like, they they looked at each other and did this perfectly. They both reached into their tuxedo jackets and pulled out G.I. Joe characters. (laughs) And they started fighting with one another. And I'm like, just keep going, get this over with, you know, just keep going. And, and the bride, as calm as she could be, she just went like this. Boom! No joke, I see a G.I. Joe, he's just floating through the air. I said, just say I do, let's just get this over with. 
Can the, can the unexpected happen in a wedding ceremony? You bet it can. You, you bet it can. Uh, can. Can the unexpected happen in your life? Oh my gosh, yes. That can be either a good thing or it can be it can be a bad thing, but here in Ecclesiastes 11, as, as Solomon is ending um, his, his autobiography, if you remember the first eight chapters, he's trying, to determine, he's trying to determine the meaning of life, but he's looking at the meaning of life under the sun without God. And Solomon chapters 1 through 8, he says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to think about God. I'm young, I can do whatever I want, and, but what he comes to the conclusion is, you can't find meaning uh, outside of God. You can't find meaning in life outside of understanding who God is and how he created you. Well, in chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12, he gives us his conclusions. In chapter 9, he tells us to eat dessert. Amen? He says, you're going to die anyways. Enjoy it. Eat dessert. In chapter 10, he tells us that you need just to, you need to be wise. You need to be wise. Make Make good choices. If you make good choices in life, guess what? You're going to have good consequences. You make bad choices, there's going to be bad consequences. Well, here in chapter 11, he's going to tell us that, that even though life is unpredictable, by the way, in chapter 11, he tells us four different times, you do not know. Did you catch that when we were reading that? Four times he says, you do not know what's going to come. Four different times he tells us. So when life is unpredictable, he tells us here in chapter 11 how we should live our life. And he says this, you need to be bold. He's going to tell us here in chapter 11, you need to take chances in life. You need to take risks. Now I know as Christians, that's kind of hard for us to understand, isn't it? But here in chapter 11, Solomon is going to tell us, you need to be bold. You need to take a chance. I want you to write this down. This is today's sermon is what you're going to call a one-point sermon. It's still going to take me 45 minutes, though. I'm just going to let you know. Here's the point of chapter 11. I want you to write this down. We're going to break this, this chapter down about to verse 6, but write this down. Be bold, but be wise. He's going to tell us, hey, you have this, uh, this short amount of time on life. Everybody's going to end up in the same place, Right? Everybody, the wicked, the righteous, everybody's going to end up, everybody's going to die. That's just the nature of it. So because of that, he's going to tell us, you need to be bold, but don't be stupid. That's what he's going to tell us. Be bold, but also be wise. Look at verse number one when he says, cast your bread, cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Now that phrase, cast your bread, that, that doesn't sound familiar to you and I. That, this, this doesn't make sense. It sounds a little odd. But in Solomon's day, this is a rather, it's already an old saying by the time Solomon writes it down here in Ecclesiastes 11. And what it meant in Solomon's day, it simply meant this. It meant doing business. And it specifically meant doing business uh, in grain and, and putting your grain on a ship and, and having that ship be sailed to another location, casting up on the waters in the hope that you're going to get a return. That's what it meant, that you're going to put grain on a ship, send it off to wherever you wanted to send it to, and then hope days later, weeks later, months later, it's going to give you a return. To put it in modern uh, terminology, you invest to get a return. 
You invest something. When you invest something, you are actually taking a chance. You're taking a risk that you'll never get that investment back. And Solomon says, now remember, he's talking to men Young men who are trying to raise families, who are trying to make their business work, who are trying to live God's way in a culture that is uh, going against uh, God's word. And he says, listen, guys, cast your bread on the waters. Now, Solomon, he's speaking from experience here. He's an older man at this point. Now, we know that when Solomon became king, he was already wealthy. His father, David, he was wealthy. But when Solomon became king, he became even more wealthy. How did he become more wealthy? By casting his bread on the waters. He invested. He invested what he had. Now, again, here in Solomon's day, to put grain on a ship, that was extremely risky. Um, they did not have the Suez Canal where that you would turn a ship in and get that stuck right then, like happened just recently. But they had pirates. They had shipwrecks. So when you put your bread on the waters, it was actually very risky. But the only way to get a return is to make the investment. Are you with me this morning? It's the only way you're going to get a return. You have to invest something. Now, I, I, you, you may know this uh, about me uh, already, but I am not known as a risk taker. That's not my DNA. I prefer stability. Anybody with me? I prefer stability. That's my DNA. And so when I read this, this makes me nervous. But here's what I know in my life, and I think you can, I think you can give a testimony to the same thing as well. Some of the greatest enjoyments in your life have always come from when what? When you took a risk. Are you with me? When you took a chance. When you didn't know what the outcome was going to be, when you didn't have all the problems solved before you stepped out in faith, you didn't know anything. All you know is you took a step of faith, and then, man, God blessed you. I want you to write this down. Write this, write this principle down. You cannot serve God without taking risks. Think about that. You cannot serve God without taking risk. meaning this. You are going to have to risk something. Amen? When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you have to surrender your life. You die to yourself. That's a risk. But you and I cannot fully serve God without taking a risk. We'll never fully understand the benefits of God until we take a risk. And so casting your bread on the waters, it simply means take a chance. There's a story a long, long ago um, about uh, Coogan's Bluff in New York. Um, Coogan's Bluff is a, is a high rise at, at, in, the late, in the early 1900s. Um, Coogan's Bluff used to look over the, the polo grounds where the New York Giants used to play baseball, if you're a baseball historian or whatnot. But Coogan's Bluff is a high rise that was owned very early in the early 1900s by a wealthy couple. They, they moved there, and very early on, this couple decided to have a party, a welcoming party. They wanted to meet everybody in the neighborhood. The wife sends out all of these invitations, and guess what? Nobody showed up to the party. She took a chance. She took a chance, and nobody showed up. And the story goes on that she was so depressed and so distraught uh, by nobody showing up that, that she built uh, out of her room. She, she, she holed herself in her own room and built, built around her room where the, all she would live from here on out was in her room. They left a little slit for where they could pass, pass food to her. And she chose to die. 
And she chose to say, you know, I'm never going to risk anything ever again in my life. What a tragedy. Would you agree with that? That's a tragedy? That she took a chance, she cast her bread on the waters, and she did not get a return, which is what Solomon said, that can happen. But then she chose not to risk ever again. Do you know anybody like that? Well, I did it once. I'm not going to get burned again. We say that all the time in relationships, do we not? Well, I'm going to forgive them this time, and then they mess up again. Well, I'm not ever going to forgive them again. And we burn the bridges. Well, Solomon is saying, listen, you need to cast your bread on the waters because you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't, you don't know if you're going to get an investment return. You're not going to get a return or not, but you continue to invest. As a pastor, I get, I get a lot of comments from people. Um, a lot of this will revert, revolve around uh, younger uh, people. Well, they'll say, you know, Pastor, I really, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to get married because I'm just afraid that, you know, the stats say that uh, 50% of the marriages end up in divorce. And I, I just don't want to, I don't want to get a divorce, so I'm not going to marry because what if my spouse and I struggle if I get married? Well, I just, I'm just going to, when you get married, guess what? It's going to be a struggle. Isn't that right? Men say, nope, it's perfect. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, for men, the best way to handle the struggles in your marriage is to say this, yes, dear, I was wrong, you were right. You say those things, you will have a blessed life. <laughs> but you don't, you don't, you, you say, I don't want to get married. You don't do that because you're afraid that the trouble is going to come your way. Does, it, does that make sense? Well, of course there's going to be struggles, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. I've heard this a lot. I've heard this a lot. Well, we're a couple, we're married, and, but, but, but we're not going to have children because I don't want to raise a child in the world the way the direction of the world's going today. I don't want to put that upon my children. Have you heard something like that? Listen, can I tell you something? That's unbiblical. That's not right. God's Word says husbands and wives have children. That's what God's word says. You have children. You, you, may, you, you have children because you'll never know. You may have an Esther who was born for such a time as this. You never know. You may have a child, and that's the next Billy Graham. But just because well, I don't want to raise children, well, I'm so because of the world, and so I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. Cast your bread on the waters. Some of you say, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get a job or I don't want to start a new business because, because it may fail. Well, guess what? You're right. It may fail, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. You get out there and you take a chance. You take a risk. You cast your bread on the waters. Listen, I think we need to understand this. God has wired the universe in such a way He's wired the universe in such a way that in everything that we do, we have to trust him. He's wired the universe that way. We have to, we have to trust him just because, man, I don't understand how all the things work. I don't understand how the universe works. Well, trust God. Now, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how marriage is, and I don't know what's doing this. We'll just rely on him, depend upon him. God's wired us to trust him. But so many of us, were so afraid to live because we've been burned in the past. Are you with me? And since we've been burned in the past, well, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, that hurt me. Listen, 
Listen, when you close up that way, you cease to exist and you will cease to experience, you'll not experience the blessings that God wants to pour up on you. Listen, at some point, at some point, you have got to take a chance and take a risk. Because when you do that, what you're doing is you're stepping out and you're trusting God to catch you. Are y'all familiar with the story, the, the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25 about the talents? Y'all remember that story? Y'all with me this morning? Matthew chapter 25, Jesus uh, tells the parable about a, a master or a, a, a leader, a boss who gave uh, certain talents, a number of talents to the different uh, men. He gave the first guy five talents. And he says, go out and invest it. Go out and cast your bread out on uh, the waters. He gave the second one uh, two. And then to the third one, he gave one. And he said, you go out and invest it. You get a return. And the guy who had five talents, what did he do? He, he cast his bread on the waters and it what? It, it doubled. It eventually doubled. The guy who had two talents, same thing. He invested it. But what did the guy do who had one talent? What did he do? He buried it. He didn't take a chance. He didn't, he didn't risk it. He didn't take a step of faith. And what did the master do? He ended up and he took that one talent away and gave it to the ones who are already investing it. Listen, there's a saying that says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And this is what Solomon is saying. He's saying, you take a chance you take a chance. You, you go out and you live. Why is he telling us? Because, because your days on this earth aren't very long. So you go live. You eat a good meal and eat a better dessert. You make good choices and then you live boldly. You don't have long to live. You be bold. But look what he says in verse 2. But don't be a fool. You be bold, but don't be a fool. Look at this, verse number two. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Have you ever heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in? That's where it came from. It's biblical, sort of. <laughs> but this is what Solomon's saying. He's saying, you know, if you're going to put your grain on a ship because you want to invest it, he says, don't put all your grain in one ship. Don't do that. Don't invest all your money in one thing. He says, diversify. Just don't do one. Do, do multiple. But, but don't withdraw from investing for the fear of losing. He says, diversify, be smart, think about things. Look at verse number three as he continues on, on, on why we need to be wise. We want to be bold, but we want to be wise. And he's going to tell us why we need to be wise. Look at verse three. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. Did it rain here last night? I think so, yeah. And whether a tree falls toward the south or towards the north, whether the tree falls there, it lies. And what Solomon's saying is you can be bold and you can be wise because this, there is some predictability here on this earth. Isn't that right? We, we can think things that, that we can make predictions that this is going to occur. For example, again, if the clouds are gray, we can make a pretty good prediction, right? That it's going to, it's going to rain. Let's just make a prediction. So 
it'd be wise to bring an umbrella with you. I mean, that's, it's just that simple. Just be wise. You look at the predictability. You make good choices. I, okay, if this clouds are great, then I just need to bring an umbrella. And then, but then he says at the end of verse 3, but if a tree falls, whether it falls to the south or to the north, that's where it lies. What he means is this. Once that tree falls, it's hard to move. Do you get the point? He says, when you... When you make a decision, you've been bold, you're going to be wise, but once you make a decision, you make the decision. Does that make sense? It says, don't be double-minded. Don't, don't go, oh, I wish I would have oh, done that, and you start going back. It says, no, once you make a decision, listen, you own it. Let's talk about marriage because I get a lot of these questions. Well, pastor, I just don't think that we're going to be able to make it in our marriage. Well, okay. Um, the Bible says stick to it. Well, pastor, you don't understand. My spouse is, they do these things, da, 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 da. Okay, I, I get that. I understand. Um, did you know that before you married them? Yes. the tree fell, stick with it. Does that make sense? You make a decision and you stick with it. So if you're going to make a decision, then you need to make sure you understand all of everything you can about that situation. I mean, if you're going to be bold, if you're going to be wise, then you need to, and in the words of the New Testament, you need to count the cost. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 14. Y'all still with me this morning? Luke chapter 14. Um, this is verses 25 through 33. This is a familiar text to, to many of you. but it's, it's, it's very convicting. But Jesus is, is picking up really a very similar theme of, of Solomon that says, you know, you, you need to be wise. You need to think about things before you make a decision. But once you do, you, you're bold about it. Look in verse number 25. Large crowds were gathering around with Jesus, and he turned to them and he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Does Jesus really mean hate like we mean the word hate? No. He's just saying, you love me more than you love these. That's all he's saying. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost? See if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and he's not able to finish, uh, people are going to laugh at him and observe it, begin to ridicule him. Verse 30, this man began to build, he's not able to finish. Verse 31, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong, with, strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Verse 33, so then, here's his conclusion. None of you can be my disciple if you do not give up all you possess. What is Jesus saying? He's saying the same thing that Solomon is saying. You count the cost. You count the cost. 
You count it. Today, our our, our world is being, I I think, um, hit with so many believers who are now abandoning the faith, and they feel like they need to let the entire world know that they're abandoning the faith. Do you know what I'm talking about? So they'll put it on Twitter, they'll put it on Facebook, and they'll put all this stuff out there. Well, here's what I say. They didn't count the cost. Listen, Jesus says, young people, listen, Jesus says, you count the cost before you come and follow me. When you come follow me, here's what I ask you to do. You die to yourself. You die to your flesh. What Jesus is saying, and it's not an easy saying, he says, there's a cost to follow me. There is a cost. It may cost you friends. It may cost you money. It may cost you other things, but there is a price tag on following Jesus Christ. For God himself, it cost him his son. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave something up so that you and I can have life. And here's what Jesus asked of us. You give up your life to follow me. You give it up. But you need to count the cost. You count the cost to follow Jesus. It's risky. But the rewards are eternal. Amen? The rewards are eternal. And Jesus here says, just follow me. Well, go back to Ecclesiastes. Go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. As Solomon says, if the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. What he is saying is, when you decide to be bold, you need to count the cost. Don't be foolish in your decisions. Just be wise, be smart. I wrote down a couple of questions that I ask myself when I take a risk. I usually take like one risk a year, so I'm pretty risky. (laughs) Here's some questions that I wrestle with. This might be beneficial to you, but when I'm thinking about things, I I ask myself this question. When I want to be bold and and stepping out of faith, I ask this question, is this necessary? Uh, Another one, is it worth it? The third question I ask myself, is the risk worth the reward? I mean, I want to benefit, right? Is the risk worth the reward? How about this one? And this one's a tough one, especially for somebody who likes stability. Is the pain worth the gain? Is the present pain worth the future gain? That's a good question. That's a really good question we have to ask ourselves. And the next one I ask myself, is the problem worth the payoff? You just got to ask yourself questions. Okay, be bold. Take a chance. I need to be wise. Is it worth it? You're going to get a pretty good idea. Now, let me say this when it comes to making some decisions. Um, and I say this in a, in a pastoral, pastoral way that please never make a major decision in your life when you're depressed. Don't do it. Odds are it's the wrong decision. When you're depressed... When you're discouraged, when you're distraught, your mind is not firing on all cylinders. Are you with me? And we've all been there. We've all been there. But it is not wise to make a decision when you are distraught, when you are depressed, or when you're down in the dumps. Just don't do that. That's when foolishness begins to play in. So just be 
Be smart. Know who you are. Know the seasons of your life. Know the situation you are in your life. If you're down and out, like in, in pastor life, in pastor world, okay, give you a little insight into the pastor's world, on Mondays, the day after Sunday, don't resign on Monday. That's the, that's the point in pastor world. That's just the joke. Don't turn in your resignation on Monday because you just don't know. You're tired. As a pastor, you're tired on Mondays. Don't make big decisions on Mondays. Be wise. Be smart. Look at verse number four. He says, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Now, what Solomon is saying is here is this. Verse 3 talks about being diligent, but verse 4, he's talking about hesitation. Solomon says, there's never a right time. That's what he says. There's a never a right time. If you continually wait for just the right circumstances or the right situation, you will continue to wait. Do you agree with that? There's never the right time. There's never the right time to get started on something. And, and for, for the sower, for the farmer, the wind is never right for the sower. The clouds are never right for uh, the reaper. And what Solomon is saying is this, at some point, you have to take the chance. You may be here this morning, and you're going, man, I'm still thinking about Jesus. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know all the answers about Jesus. Can I let you know something? I don't know all the answers about Jesus either. But risk it. Risk it. Jump on to Jesus. He will never fail you. I don't know all the answers. I don't know everything there is to know about everything. I don't know everything there is in the Bible, but I'm going to trust him. You don't have to have all of the, the questions answered before you jump onto Jesus' back. Just jump onto him. Just trust him wherever you are. One commentator said this, and this is really, really, really good. He said this, in your life, never confuse the decision-making process with the problem-solving process. They're not the same. You make the decision, you cast your bread upon the waters, and then you solve the problems. You don't solve all the problems first. You just must, excuse me, you just make the decision in faith. This is what I think God wants us to do. Then you go and solve the problems. If you try to solve all the problems before you step out in faith, you will never go anywhere. If you say, I'm going to make sure we've got good weather for the next hundred days, your ship is never going to get out of the harbor. You've got to get out on the water before you even know all of the problems because you don't even know what all the problems are. Isn't that good? Folks, you just got to get out of the boat. You just got to get out of the boat. Do you remember Peter? Peter sees Jesus out walking in the water, scares him half to death, Right? It's a ghost. No. And Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, if it's you, call me out of the water. By the way, if you ever ask Jesus to tell you something, get ready because it's going to come. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out of, or tell me to come out of the boat, get on the water. The next thing Jesus says, come. Come on. And what does Peter do? He gets out, and what does Peter He begins to walk on the water. <laughs> he took a chance. Now, he sunk, but forget about that. He still took a chance. <laughs> I don't read that part. <laughs> but even when he sunk, Jesus reached down and picked him up. Isn't that good? Listen, some of you need to get out of the boat. 
get out of the boat. Either trust Jesus for the first time in your life and just get out of the boat. Get onto the water and walk with Jesus. Some of you just need to, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has been burdening something on you for a ministry. Get out of the boat. Go start that ministry. Or maybe Jesus is, or the Holy Spirit is convicting you that, that you need to go talk to your neighbor or, or somebody, and you're just nervous. And Jesus says, get out of the boat. Take a chance. I think he's calling some young people in this room. I think he's calling to be a full-time uh, a pastor or a full-time missionary. Get out of the boat. Go walk with Jesus. He's not going to let you go. He's never let anybody go. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, everybody that God has given me, they have, I've, never, I've never let them go, and nobody can snatch them from my hand. Just get out of the boat. Just take that step of faith. Look at verse 5. Just as you don't know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you don't know the activity of God who makes all things. What Solomon is saying is this. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're not. And so when you take a step of faith, you take a step out of the boat, here's what he's saying. You may succeed, you may not, but that's not the issue. The issue is you just get out of the boat. You let success be determined by Jesus, verse 6. So then, sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle in the evening. For you don't know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. What Solomon is saying is this. Get out of the boat and get to work. That's what it says. Work in the morning and work in the afternoon. Work in the evening. But get out. You make a decision. You be bold and you walk in it. Get out of the boat. One of my favorite verses um, comes from the book of Exodus um, when Moses uh, is, is trying to lead the people of Israel. Um, and he's struggling because uh, it's, it's just tough. And uh, so Moses leads the people of, of Israel or the Egyptians. He leads them out of Egypt and they come to a, a little problem. The problem is called the Red Sea. And they got somebody chasing behind them. They followed God, and now it seems like there's an obstacle in front of them and an obstacle behind them. But God has already told them to go. God's already given them the direction. He's already given Moses the direction. And so they come to the Red Sea, and Moses is struggling, and he's, he's trying to convince the people it's all going to be okay. And he's communicating to the Lord. And Exodus 14, verse 15, I love this verse. I love this one as a... As a First for a pastor and for a leader, it's great. Then finally the Lord said to Moses, this is great, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Do you get it? Listen, so many times we know what God's already told us to do. 
and we continue to debate with him through prayer. Are you with me? God speaks. He's alive. He's well. He's active in your life, and he speaks. And so many of us, and I know it because I do this as well, so I have a debate with God. Lord, I, I really don't know if that's what you said. And let me count the ways why I'm not sure that's really what you said because I, I really know, I know a little bit more than you do about this situation. So here we go. And you lay out your best, lay, you lay out your plans. And then late at night, in the middle of the night, he'll wake you up and he'll say once again, no, this is what I want you to do. Are you with me? And you wake up in the morning, no, 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 God, I really, I really, I really, no, God. God, just show me your will, God. Oh, I want to do your will, God. And I love it. And he says, God gets a little, probably a little frustrated with Moses right here. He says, quit praying to me. I already told you what to do. Now go do it. He's telling many of you that this morning as well. I've already told you it's time for you to get out of the boat. It's time for you to trust me. And it's time for you to allow me to take you where I want to take you. So church, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat and follow Jesus. How many of y'all remember, I'm sure you know this, how many of you remember the story of the little engine that could? How many of y'all remember that story? You remember that? I was uh, rereading that story this week as I thought about this message. I, I don't know if you remember it, but the story begins with with some boys and girls in a town on the other side of a, a big mountain, and they're waiting for the train to bring them their toys. But to get to the town, you had to go up, 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 up the mountain and back down, 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 down on the other side. Not an easy thing to do. A train came and about to get to the town, before, but it came to the last mountain, and this, the, the train engine broke. Nobody knew what to do, and so the engineer went looking for another engine, looking for another train to carry the toys over the mountain and to the boys and girls. He went to one big shiny engine, and one big shiny engine said this, nah, I only carry passenger trains, I don't, I don't carry toys. The diesel locomotive said this, I don't bother with toys. One by one, all the big engines said no. Then out in the corner came a voice that said, I'll do it. I'll do it. It was that little blue switch engine. He said, I'll carry the toys over the mountains to the boys and girls on the other side. And all the trains decided to pipe in and they said, no, you're way too small. You can't do this. You're not strong enough to do this. And the little engine that could said this, but I'm willing to give it a try. And so he began to go up the mountain, and you all know what he said. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And each time, he got a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. So finally, he got to the crest of the mountain, and he made it. And then what did he say? As he's going down the mountain, he said, I thought I could. I thought I could. Which side of the mountain are you on this morning? Where are you? 
I think some of you this morning, I believe somebody here needs to, to step out of the corner and say for the first time, I give my life to Jesus Christ. You've been thinking, you've been dwelling, you've been debating. Today, make that choice. Cast your bread on the waters. Come out. Be bold for Jesus. There may be some of you here this morning where you need to be bold and you need to declare membership for our church. There may be somebody here this morning that you need to be bold to declare that you need to follow in believer's baptism. But you're debating, you're wrestling, you're questioning. No, 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 no. Get out of the boat. Some of you need to be a part of a Sunday small group and you still debate. No, no, no. Today, 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 get out of the boat. And join Jesus for the greatest ride of your life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Father, I pray that that we would get out of the boat, take a chance, and take a risk, knowing that you will catch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.